Hello, and welcome to the Artsy Podcast, where three of our editors take you around the art world. I'm your host, Isaac Kaplan, joined this week by editorial director Marina Cashton. Hi, Isaac. Hey, Marina. And galleries editor, Casey Lesser. Hi, Isaac. Hey, Casey. So this week, we're going to be talking about mothers, children, and the art world. First, from the perspective of Marina's really impactful and powerful piece, You Can Be a Mother and Still Be a Successful Artist, which I think really struck a chord with a lot of people who are thinking about balancing their art world career and motherhood. Next, we're going to be talking about Casey's piece, which focused on how you can teach your children to care about art. So Marina, as I kind of mentioned, your piece was really popular. People, I think, really felt like there was a need for this story, but I'm, I'm curious about what uh, motivated you to first kind of begin exploring this issue about, about artists and, and motherhood in the art world. I mean, you all know here that there's <laughs> there are obvious reasons. I, I had a baby a year ago. He's now uh, 13 months. And I, as a career-oriented person, I had my own fears. And over the past years, I've had many conversations with other women in the art world, including artists, and felt that this conversation wasn't happening. Or there were certainly still a long way to go in terms of... of artists feeling not fearful of being of motherhood and and being a mother and the impact it might have on their career and just the fact that this still existed this conversation and then of course Marina Abramovich came in and um, made some pretty outstanding assertions and brought out some opinions in a piece for a German newspaper in which she felt that female artists weren't as successful as male artists because they had children yeah I think it's helpful just for those of you who haven't heard this is this is the quote in my opinion having children is the reason why women aren't as successful as men in the art world. There are plenty of talented women. Why do men take over the important positions? It's simple. Love, family, children. A woman doesn't want to sacrifice all of that. So obviously that was pretty controversial. Can you maybe tell us a little bit about who the artists were that you spoke to and kind of how they react to that? Did they kind of bring it up themselves? Did you ask them about it? The various people I spoke with were Kara Walker, uh, Laurie Simmons, Nikki Malouf, who's a, a younger painter, Diana Al-Hadid, who has a very successful career but is relatively young. Real range of artists and artists who have children, you know, uh, 30 years old to 10 months old. Mm-hmm. I did mention the Marina Abramovich piece when I reached out, and I just said, I, I think this is something I want to explore. This is a personal topic, and that particular opinion from Abramovich made me feel like we need to respond um, and have this conversation and think about whether we are evolving or whether, you know, this this sort of same double standard still exists between male and female artists. Mm-hmm. And and generally, um, I think all the artists, even after the fact, some artists that I wasn't, that I, that I unfortunately wasn't able to include in the story because it was too late, uh, replied emphatically that they wanted to be part of this discussion and they felt it was important. But besides Marina Abramovich's statements, I'm curious about what really motivated or, or what you heard artists kind of talk about as their reasons for them feeling as though this was super important. On, on one hand, it was some feeling like this this myth needed to be demythologized, that, you know, the more role models we have that are embracing motherhood, the more this this myth of, of that Marina Abramovich brought up of uh, motherhood detracting from one's career or mm-hmm. hurting one's career would dissolve. That's on one hand, and I think a lot of the younger artists felt like this. On the other hand, though, you had artists who really struggled with this, who have had children in the 80s and 90s and 
felt like they had to work upstream Mm -hmm. uh, to be able to balance the two. And I think that some of those artists felt, especially Laurie Simmons, felt like this, this, there still is a long way to go. And she felt like as a role model and as somebody, an artist who is successful and has come out embracing motherhood, she has felt, she has gotten a lot of young artists come to her struggling with this. And so felt this conversation is still exists. Linka Clayton felt similarly that female artists are still held to different standards than male artists when it comes to being a parent and choosing to have a child. Right. You mentioned a few male artists, Jeff Koons, I way who are parents and no one really mentions that as like an a issue factor, an issue or, no. or like, you know, it's never mentioned profile, you know, like reviews of their work, for example, or, or things like that. But I am curious, you know, for, for those of us who aren't actually artists, what are the logistical challenges that, you know, have to be surmounted? I mean, I imagine that the art world poses its own set of difficulties that, that maybe people working in other professions don't face. Being a new parent, whether you're a mother or a father, and in any industry, you're going you're gonna to have new logistical barriers. You have this, a, a human being that you're responsible for. You, you've bedtime and, and, and childcare and all the things that come when you, you, you're trying to balance work and a baby. What's specific to the art world, uh, specific to artists, is that they generally aren't in a structured kind of work environment in terms of they're employed by X and they get X maternity leave and they have their schedule and so on and so forth. And that's both a good thing and can be a challenging thing because it's up to them to sort of restructure their practice. Logistical challenges, I think, are, are the biggest thing, especially in the first year that you're of this child's life and depending on whether you breastfeed or you don't I mean they're, they're they these are colic things, or not it, you know like didn't you say you <laughs> I had colic yeah, yeah I mean there are these my parents don't things, let me forget it it's always there's so many unknowns and there once you think you figured something out with a baby it changes for artists you know they're expected to produce work and be in the studio and there are other types of demands and you know it can be a challenge to do that with a with a baby. It does sound like that, you know, obviously a lot of what you're saying kind of sounds expensive. Was that something that was kind of discussed as well? Just like the monetary bound, like In this country, yes. I mean, obviously this doesn't apply to every country, but in the U.S. there is no child, no universal child care. Child Mm -hmm. care is very expensive, especially Mm -hmm. in New York. And I can attest to that. (laughs) I mean, that is a huge cost, I, you know, and so, you know, if you're an artist, you have to weigh the cost of childcare with what you're bringing in. And this is with anybody in any profession. But I think with artists, again, not having that structure, it can it can be even more challenging in order for them to be productive and them to be creative and then to be able to focus on their careers. It does require a support network. Mm-hmm. Um, and Lori Simmons talked about this and others, every artist I spoke with talked about the support network. The support network will be a partner, of course, who shoulders 50% of the responsibilities of having a child. And then a dealer who supports this decision. Mm. I mean, it's not necessary. You don't have to get the blessing of your dealer, but it's helpful. And then, of course, other support networks. That's family, that's friends, it's other people you know of children, role models. I mean... And even you mentioned one one anecdote in the piece of I think it was you who saw someone at an art fair. Yeah. With a child. I mean, that that he had the baby on. I mean, right. he was dealing. It wasn't. It wasn't the VIP preview, but he was in his booth with his baby and a baby Bjorn or whatever brand he was using, whatever his baby strapped to him, and he was dealing art. And right. then I saw a 
you know, a museum director, curator couple, I think we probably know who they are, strolling their baby around. And then, I, you know, you see collectors with their children with them. It, it's becoming more accepted in the greater art world. And that's where the question came. Is this then becoming also more accepted for artists? So we talked a little bit about the logistical hurdles that artists face. But in terms of kind of the way it being a mother changes the subject matter of, of an artist's work. Uh, you kind of mentioned that some of the artists that you spoke to really were offended by this by this like suggestion or this question, or, or they rejected the premise of the question, basically. Yeah, I would say rejected the premise of the question. And I, I, Diana Al-Hadid made a, a great point, and she said she was recently asked this by an interviewer for a story that was not about motherhood on how being a mother has like changed her work. And she said, would you ask a male artist this question? And I think this interviewer probably thought to him or herself, no. And it's 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 that. We, it, why sh- it, certainly there are artists who bring their life into their work, but then there are artists who don't. But I think people tend to ask women this as mm-hmm. though they're emotion- emotionally more impacted by this experience of, of maybe childbirth and being a mother right. and so on that they wouldn't apply to male artists. Yeah, so we, we've also mentioned, you mentioned a little bit about how things are have changed a lot just in terms of like the visibility of kids in the art world and, you know, this sort of acceptance, mm-hmm. m- more acceptance than there was. But I'm curious about, you know, Laurie Simmons in the piece spoke a little bit about how things are better but certainly not equal. What What kind of hurdles still exist and, you know, what do you think needs to happen for there to really be sort of more fundamental equality. I think perception from the art world and support from other women artists and, and them being able to embrace themselves, embrace this this role as mother and artist without it becoming part of their subject matter and needing to be like part of their work, mm-hmm. but showing that, yeah, I can balance the two. It's not easy. I right. mean, I will say that from my perspective, even as a professional and as a mother, it's been very, it's a challenge. but. You know, as some of the artists mentioned, there are a lot of challenges in life, and this is one of them, you know. And to understand that, instead of siloing it as this this issue, I think is a good start. Sort of while we're talking about uh, the visibility of children in the art world and getting kids to be more of a part of it from an early age, Casey, you wrote a piece that was all about this, all about how you can teach your ch- children to be like really invested in art and also what being an art maker from a very young age can provide both kids and, and their parents. You you actually were prompted to write this piece after seeing a kid at an art fair, is that right? I was actually on the ferry to Freeze, New York with my mom and we saw a colleague of ours, DB, who is the head of our engineering team with his two small children and his wife. And um, I kind of turned to my mom and said, I can't really imagine bringing my kids to an art fair. And then we kind of ended up walking in with them. And, you know, an art fair is just so much information overload, too much art you could possibly see in a single visit. And, you know, with that, the two of them kind of run in and spot a Carson Hall or octopus and they plop Mm. down beside (laughs) it and start discussing it and you know what's it made of why is it here you know why is that color it was like bright pink or red 
and I was just so impressed. And um, you know, with that, like a few weeks later, I went to see the Jordan Wolfson animatronic puppet at David's Warner, which was totally terrifying. <laughs> um, and they were there, kind of like just in awe of it. And DB was like waiting outside for them. They were still like looking at it. And I just kind of kept thinking what made them so interested in art and what is making them not only just want to make art, but what's making them want to go to galleries and go to art fairs and go to museums. Right. So, you know, for those kids who aren't quite ready to hit uh, Randall's Island for freeze and <laughs> start negotiating for, for Carson Holler works, um, is there sort of a, you, you sort of spotlighted a few programs that museums offer to kind of provide um, basic arts kind of sensibilities to like kids and and the the thing now is that they're all family programs so engaging the parents as well as the children so the Whitney you can bring a newborn into the museum for a stroller tour before hours and not have to worry about them crying I've told so many people about that I had no idea <laughs> I know, yeah um, it's just the logistics of like getting there with oh, God, I remember <laughs> when I took Lucian to the Broad for the first time and the crying and I, I felt you feel very self-conscious about yeah. it it's such a smart move yeah. on their part so what do these programs kind of look like um, besides the stroller tours the Whitney has a program called open studio and it's kind of a drop-in art space that children and their families can go to with museum admission and it's during the weekends and uh, usually there's kind of a prompt saying, you know, create something inspired by the contrast in this Edward Steichen photograph, but they're definitely not limited to that. And, you know, they're not encouraged to make copies of that. It's more a, a point of departure, a point of inspiration and a way to kind of connect what's going on in the museum and what, you know, a kid can create, what their parent can create. And so that kind of model to have a space to create art within the museum and at the same time to kind of bring in a current exhibition or the permanent collection um, as kind of a way to guide uh, art making. What are the limitations of holding these sort of educational programs in museums versus in, you know, community spaces that are um, visited by like a, m more people than, than who feel comfortable going into like the Whitney or can get to the Whitney for an early morning stroller tour or whatever? It can be very limiting to have these programs take place in um, museums where maybe the art and the collection of art there doesn't represent the kids and the families attending. Um, so there can be great benefits to programs that are bringing art directly into the community. But I think some of these children's museums are making great efforts to, um, like I said before, bring in contemporary artists and artists of the community. The Children's Museum of Art is, um, all of the teachers there are practicing artists. Mm -hmm. They all have kind of community outreach efforts. The Sugar Hill Museum is attached to a preschool and the artist in residence, the first one, his name is David Schrobe. He, for a year, would do workshops with the children and would come into their classroom every week and um, do projects with them to help them and to kind of expose them to his own practice as well. That sounds so fun. It's, it was interesting. One thing that really struck me in your, in your piece is the way in which at like a certain age, kids become super self-critical. I wonder what it's like to exist before being self-critical in that way. But it's um, awesome to watch. Yeah. <laughs> in what ways can arts education kind of get over this hump? Because you sort of mentioned that that there's a drop off once people think, you know, oh, I can only do stick figures. Yeah. That was my, so that was my experience. 
this is all part of um, how arts education can, you know, step in and programs that are so focused on skills and representational drawing and making things realistic are really detrimental. And part of what a lot of these museum programs are doing as well is kind of introducing printmaking and abstraction and, you know, exposing children to different kinds of art and um, artists working in so many different ways and saying it's not a matter of being good at it, you know, it's a matter of being creative. And this all kind of traces back to one of the first conversations I had where I asked the director of the Children's Museum of Art in Manhattan, what can we do to instill an appreciation of art in children? And she stopped me and said, it's not a matter of instilling, it's a matter of encouraging them. You know, they have this inborn appreciation and it's just a matter of making sure that we as adults and as parents can make sure that they don't lose that and that they are inspired to, you know, follow their creativity. And Marina, you, you, you've seen in Lucian some, some of this creativity, this... Uh... Yeah, yeah, we have. We, we've given him some paint, which is not really paint, folks. It's yogurt with food coloring because he does <laughs> like to put it, in, put it in his mouth, but we put this homemade paint and a big pad of paper and a washing up brush and he just has gone for it it's it's been incredible to watch and and it's uninhibited and he enjoys it and it brings this like incredible joy and you know i'm not going to claim he's a picasso or you know or well, sending he's setting not yet sending not people yet. you know he does have a namesake that's hard to to live up to <laughs> though <laughs> though only in talent not in um, personality <laughs> <laughs> yeah my, my mom still keeps some of the pieces of art that i made when i was a kid around yeah um, it embarrasses me with them so you know and I, even just like seeing kids how they relate to artists you know I have friends who are artists and their interaction with children feels different than other adults you would think I feel like children yeah. tend to gravitate toward artists as well yeah and you know that's also a question that I asked you know are there certain kinds of art or certain artists that children are drawn to more and I was kind of told that that's a limiting question that you know <laughs> children can find like great insights and questions to kind of a whole host of different types of art but of course there are certain you know artists that might be more appropriate for teenagers and Mm -hmm. you know artists exploring you know social issues and identity teenagers might be drawn to whereas things that are a bit more experiential might be more exciting for younger kids and I also to flip it around I wonder what inspiration the artists get from the children I mean thinking outside of the the sort of fine art world you think about the director Michel Gondry who always talks about how his son like really influenced his films and and he wouldn't have been able to make his films without that inspiration or that uh that naivete of the child or that naivete is the wrong word but that that curiosity yeah I mean just speaking of how these kids can influence adults these programs which you kind of mentioned are also build as family programs so there's sort of something for the adult yeah definitely I, I mean a lot of the heads of these programs spoke about how you know the parents get really into it so sometimes too into it right? <laughs> sometimes too yeah. into it but then also on the flip side there are times where you know a parent has to kind of step back and you know let their kid run with whatever they're working helicopter on. parents <laughs> yeah <laughs> and because you know maybe that parent at some point in their own childhood was told you know 
that's not, you know, what we're drawing right now, or that's not how that should look. And, you know, it makes an impact when someone tells you that early on. It's really kind of enlightening for parents as well to kind of take a step back and look at their own art education and their own appreciation of art and to kind of reconsider that and have this new kind of entryway into it. All right, well, moving on, where in the art world are you guys going to be drinking white wine this week? Casey, I know you're going somewhere that's not fit for children. I mean, depending on... Depending on... If Everyone has want. a different parenting style. No, no judgment, no judgment, but what is it? Um, I'm going to a show that's opening at Macaron on Friday evening at both of their locations. It's a show called Coming to Power, 25 Years of Sexually Explicit Art by Women. I'm really excited for it. It's a show of 25 women artists like Linda Banglis, Marilyn Minter, Louise Bourgeois, Judith Bernstein, like you name it. And it's actually the revival of a show that happened in 1993 at David's Warner, the year he opened. But now it's kind of being shown anew. And the crazy thing is that the conversation around women creating this kind of work has not really moved forward that Mm -hmm. much. But they've all kind of come to points in their career where they're really highly respected artists. And um, so it'll just be really exciting to see these works. Well, that sounds like an awesome show. I will yeah. definitely be checking that out. Same here. Um, but we can't do that for our our answer. Fair so, enough. Marina, where are you going to yeah. from? Where are you going to be? Uh, well, speaking of artists who are mothers, I'm going to, and it has nothing to do with the subject matter of the work, but just the point. I'm going to go definitely see the Lorna Simpson show at uh, Salon 94. She'd made a series of paintings for the Venice Biennale, which I was just like gobsmacked by. Very unusual, large scale paintings and there'll be a, a show of her work there she's she's a mother and then also I, I'm interested in, in seeing uh, the Rashid Johnson show at Hauser and Worth in which he's taking a gospel hymn I'll fly away and reinterpreting it as a multimedia installation and just the idea of, of seeing this musical piece come to life is something I would like to immerse myself in and something I'd like to bring my my child to and Rashid Johnson is also a father ladies and gentlemen so it's nothing to do with the work again but just you know connecting it to the parents are parents are everywhere in keeping with the theme I'm going to be going to the Children's Museum of the Arts to see this exhibition titled Mission to Space. They're presenting a series of artists some really cool ones Tom Sachs, Evie Day, a few others kind of looking at the mysteries of outer space, which is something I, you know, sounds awesome. Sounds so fun. And apparently they, they have like a Play-Doh bar. That <laughs> at a clay bar. At a, cl- a clay bar. I've never been, so this is a first for me. Um, it's not branded. It's, it's not branded. <laughs> There's no brand partnership. It's a clay bar. And during these openings, they serve wine at the clay bar. So I'm really excited. Yeah. Not, for for the adults. not for the adults. Will the, have you been to, will there be clay there too? Because yeah. I want to play with the clay more than yeah, I want to drink. Yeah, it's like a bar set up with modeling clay. That sounds awesome. All right. I'm so this is this is maybe the opening of 2016 for me. We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> well, that's all we have time for this week. Thanks to you all for listening. Um, and thanks to our guests, Casey and Marina, for joining us. Thanks for having us. Thanks, Isaac. Please remember to rate and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. It helps other people find the show. Um, we had production help this week from Abigail Kane. Our producer is Joe Sykes. And the theme music is Broke for Free. See you guys next time.